0: If you are a pregnant person and you have not been vaccinated, you should get with your loved ones, get a piece of paper and start writing down what your requests would be. If you are seriously ill on a breathing tube in a medically induced coma, what your wishes would be for the baby, what your wishes would be, who's going to make decisions for you? um, Would you want to be an organ donor in the event that you pass? Because this is happening.
1: This is happening. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesel Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. We're doing a midweek episode this week. I know I don't normally do these episodes, but I figured this was a topic that has been really popular, obviously, as it should, and I know you guys have asked me in DMs a lot about COVID and the COVID vaccines and recommendations during pregnancy, so I'm a medical professional. I'm a nurse. You guys know that. But I felt like I didn't want to just cover this topic by myself. I wanted to have an OB come on here and have a discussion together. So that's exactly what we did. I had Dr. Marta Perez come on to the podcast. She's been on the podcast before in an early episode. We were talking in the beginning. She I recorded it with her before the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast even came out, which is like crazy. <laughs> so Marta has been a good friend of mine for a while now, and her Instagram is full of really, really great evidence-based stuff about COVID during pregnancy and the COVID vaccine. And I thought she was just perfect to come on here and talk about myths and facts in a really good, non-judgmental, non-pushy like kind of way. That's just the vibe that I get from her. Because really, I know that you guys want to know answers to these questions because you want to do what's best for your baby and you want to make the right decisions. And it's naturally normal to be curious about something that just came out and should I do it? Should I get it? What are the benefits? What are the risks? So I figured this is a good episode to kind of plop on as a bonus episode to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. So what we talked about in this episode were long-term effects, if there are any long-term effects of the vaccines and what you should be aware of. We talked about side effects and adverse reactions. We talked about how the COVID vaccine would protect you during your pregnancy and during baby if you got it. Um, we talked about time frames like when is it the safest time to get the vaccine if you choose to get it? Should you get it? Before pregnancy, during pregnancy, in the first, second, third trimester? Should you wait until you give birth to receive the vaccine? We also talked about the whole infertility, um, it's a myth, the infertility myth that is going around that COVID and infertility are linked. So Marta did a really, really good job of explaining that fully. Um, So we talked about that, and then we talked about the booster shot and recommendations for that. We talked about COVID, the COVID vaccines, uh, the COVID vaccine and breast milk. And then we wrapped up the episode and talked about covid during pregnancy, if you were to get covid during pregnancy, what are some things that you should be doing? What are some self-care things, you know, to do at home? If you come into the hospital to deliver and your are covid uh, positive during your stay? What is that going to look like? Do you still have to get separated from your baby at all? And then we wrapped up and talked about restrictions, COVID restrictions, if you have a newborn and best recommendations. So I think this was a fabulous episode. I'm really happy to get this out there for you guys and just, just, you know, kind of shut down some of the misinformation that's out there about COVID and the vaccine, because I know it's a really, really hot topic as it should be right now. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Dr. Marta Perez. Hi, Marta. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Liesl. It's always so fun to hang out with you. Yeah, I know. So Marta, you were on the podcast way back when, and I think, wait, were you even pregnant with your son no. or was that even before your pregnancy? That was, it was pretty good amount before I think. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. It was like, you weren't even talking about, you were talking about like, wait, wait I think it was even before you got married, right? It was.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think it have aired after I got married, but I remember yes. when we recorded it, we recorded it like before you even debuted the podcast, like when you were in the pre-recording stage. So, yes.
1: So Marta and I go way back, (laughs) obviously. So, so first of all, Marta, tell our listeners who you are. If you're not familiar, if they haven't listened to that first episode and they don't know who you are, who are you on Instagram and on social media and yeah.
0: Yeah. So I am Marta Perez. I am an OBGYN. I um, work right now as a laborist or an OB hospitalist, meaning I only work in the hospital, but I've also had experiences doing um, for a few years, doing like full regular private practice, like an OBGYN you would see in the office. Yeah. So because I am also in academic, so I am assistant professor of OBGYN at WashU School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. So I spend my time seeing patients in the triage unit, delivering babies, managing labor, seeing postpartum patients in the hospital. I also teach resident doctors and medical students. Um, and so that's my real job. And then, you know, for the past like two years now, I've had, um, an Instagram account. I also dabble in YouTube where I do evidence-based information about reproductive health. It used to be more full spectrum. Now that I just do OB, it's really focused on more like pregnancy, um, and peripartum. So before, Mm -hmm. during, after pregnancy, um, health and yeah, it's a fun kind of side project. Sometimes it takes up more time, sometimes a little less time, depending on my real job always comes first. And I had my baby in December. Um, I had P prom (laughs) and had him at 35 weeks. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, he's great though. He's um, eight months old now and he's a joy. So yeah. what
1: kind of things is he doing right now at eight months? Um, he's just starting to crawl, oh. which is
0: exciting, but yeah. also like, Oh God, <laughs> got to finish up all of the baby proofing.
1: Yep. <laughs> I know. I remember that. Yeah. We were like moving right as, right before Rylan, no, right after he started crawling. So it was like kind of the perfect time because we like moved into, I didn't have to like fully baby proof, like the old house again, the old but house. yeah, yeah, it's like that state, that age is so, so fun. Like that oh my gosh, time of it. it's so fun. Cause they're just he has like so doing, much personality too. Oh, I know it's so cute. So cute. Well, cool. Well guys, this episode is airing in the middle of this week. I know I don't usually put out a midweek episode, but we thought this this topic was so important that we had to hop on here and talk about it. So Marta, we are going to talk about COVID and COVID vaccine and COVID during pregnancy. Cause I get a lot, I mean, I have a decent amount of pregnant moms who are yeah. following me. And I think it's natural to be you know, skeptical or just ask questions about COVID and the vaccine. And I think it would be worth our time to just sit down and have a conversation and go through some of these questions and some of these facts about the vaccine. Cause I think there's unfortunately so much misinformation out there and it just, I like to get information from, uh, sources that are reputable and you're a very reputable source uh, oh, well, in my you. opinion. So <laughs> yeah. I thought you would be perfect to have
0: come on and just
1: have this conversation. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for me. I loving, I love sharing information online too, but, um, I think we all love podcasts, like put in yes. your headphones, go for a walk, a break in parenting during yes. that time, I'm often listening to podcasts. So it's really great when we don't have time to maybe digest tons of information in the other ways that we get information to be able to listen. So thank you for having me on a podcast. I don't have my own podcast, so I really like
1: being a <laughs> guest on yours. Yeah, cool. I know podcasts are so good too, or just like audiobooks for moms because I I even struggle to sit down and read a book because I'm like yep. I feel like I should be doing like the podcast is so great because I you're right I can be doing something else like cleaning up my kitchen or, yep. you know, going for a jog or like something else at the same time. So it's like yeah. podcasts. That's why I think they're so popular nowadays, because we're just nat- you know, parents are just mul- natural multitaskers. You have yeah, to be exactly. a multitasker when you're a parent. And that's exactly. just just how life is nowadays. So, yeah. all right. So I wanted to start by talking about the vaccine in particular, and then we can maybe talk about like just COVID during pregnancy and like what happens if you get it and all, you know, what that kind of looks like if you go into the hospital and you're COVID positive. So I know a common question that I get that I saw when I first put out this box a few days ago was like, I'm so nervous about, you know, getting it and what are the possible long-term effects? How can we even know? How can it be approved for pregnant women? You know, when it hasn't been out that long, I I get it. You know, it's, it's totally understandable, especially during pregnancy to be nervous about something that just came out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, What I always say about pregnant people is everyone who's pregnant is trying to do the best they can, right? And so all pregnant people are making the choice that they want to protect themselves and their baby the very best ways that they can. And so I so appreciate if you are out there, if you are pregnant or you're recently postpartum or thinking about conceiving, I definitely understand that if you haven't been vaccinated yet... It's because you're just trying to sift through what the best information is. So I'm really happy to give it to you, and like hopefully, you know, if there's hopefully I answer a bunch of questions here. But if there's follow-ups, you know, I know you do Q and As, I do Q and As. You can always like tag me so we can answer. You've got a
1: lot of great highlights too. Just for everybody listening, if you go to Marta's highlights, she has so many great highlights on the COVID vaccine specifically, and just COVID during pregnancy as well
0: yeah, where I um review some of the stuff that I'm going to say too. So, yeah, what i I do a lot of um, vaccine counseling among you know pregnant and postpartum people. So I always say that the first thing I start with is talking about safety, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that there's kind of three things I want to make sure we cover about safety. The one is a concern about side effects. The second is concerns about serious adverse events. Mm-hmm. And the third is a concern about long term, safety. Mm-hmm. So talking about side effects. So as you guys may know, people who have had a COVID vaccine, either have one shot one or two shot one. You have heard that it makes you feel kind of crappy usually after the second dose, but for some people, maybe after the first,
1: that's what and, happened to me. It was like the first one. I just, it was like, you know, just a little bit of local. I got the Pfizer yeah. vaccine back in yeah. February. Um, yeah. And I just had like a little bit of a local reaction. And then the second one, yeah, it was like 12 hours and I felt like crap. But then after 12 hours, I was fine. I just yeah. I didn't even get a fever. I just felt like crap. Same. I um <laughs> our our vaccine
0: rollout in um at my institution, they did it by like, you know, the frontline providers, but then also by age. So like the frontline providers yeah. who were in their 60s got it before like their 30s, yeah. like me. So I was checking my email every day to get the email to sign up. And I was supposed to have my baby in mid-January and I was actually in labor and my husband was like, the email came through for me and we're about the same age. And I was like, it came through for me too." like sign me up. So I'm like in labor and my husband's like signing me up. So oh I got my first dose like three days postpartum and then my second dose like three weeks later um, nice. in January. So um, yeah, I felt like, I mean, you're, I had a three week old, so I was like always exhausted, but I felt yeah. a little extra exhausted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I also had like a pretty good headache, but I took, um, Tylenol and ibuprofen, and it it same. managed it fine. Yeah, so yeah, same. I always talk to people. The side effects, I call those side effects, like local, um, self limited. They're mm. mostly twelve to twenty four hours, um, and then they go away. You can take if you're pregnant. Tylenol is totally fine to take. Um, when we looked at, so about thirty thousand. Pregnant people who are healthcare workers got the vaccine in the first two months. Since then, it's been like 150,000, right? So you're in really good company choosing mm-hmm. to get the vaccine while pregnant. Yeah. Um, but they looked at those 30,000 and their report through vSafe of the adverse events. And they saw that pregnancy was associated with like the same rate of adverse events as, or sorry, of side effects as non pregnant people. And possibly maybe a little bit less. Um, So there's definitely, we were not seeing any increase in tiredness or headaches or fevers or anything like that. Um, I think sometimes pregnant people are especially, especially worried about fever because we wondered in the first trimester if fever is associated with bad pregnancy outcomes. More recent data has shown that fever is not really associated with bad outcomes even in the first trimester. And if you have a fever, you can just take Tylenol, which reduces the fever, and then you don't have to worry about it. Certainly, if your goal is to reduce a fever while you're pregnant, you should get vaccinated because there's more fever with COVID itself. To not get get
1: COVID. Right. Right. Right.
0: So um, side effects, um, we're not seeing an increase. We're seeing that same or decrease, and of the side effects, they're not harmful for pregnancy. Um, the next topic is serious adverse events, right? So I see people asking to having two main concerns about serious adverse events, and I see them making some mistakes. One is that how commonly they happen, or mistaking a serious adverse event for a coincidence, so how often they happen. Yes. Serious adverse events. You know, I have people saying, Oh, I have a cousin whose neighbor got the vaccine and had a heart attack the next day or had, you know, this, that, or the other. In pregnancy, this happens where you're seeing people say, Oh, someone had the vaccine and then they had this negative pregnancy outcome, you know, early labor or like a miscarriage or something. So, um, talking about serious adverse events in terms of just taking pregnancy out of the equation, serious adverse events, like an allergic reaction or something that's like a major health issue, they happen with vaccines, but they happen way less commonly than people think. So they happen like a serious allergic reaction to the Pfizer vaccine happens about the same amount as your risk of getting struck by lightning this year. Wow. Not your risk of getting struck by lightning in your lifetime, which is actually much higher, but this year. Oh, okay. Good odds. Right. Like (laughs) When it's storming outside and you have to go pick up your kid from school or you have to go to the store to get groceries or whatever, you're still going to go do those things. Right. You're not going to limit what makes sense in your life just because oh, right. of the risk of getting struck by lightning. Same thing with approaching a vaccine decision. Those really rare things happen, but they shouldn't be dictating your life and your health decisions the same way you're still going to go to the store during a thunderstorm most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um so that's one thing. Um, as far as pregnancy and those serious adverse events, we have been really monitoring pregnant patients, one through vSAFE, and two, they're actually calling people. Now it's totally overwhelmed because like I said, 150,000 people have gotten it. Mm-hmm. So it's a little too many medical records to pull at this yeah. rate, but yeah. in the rate so far of those first 30,000 um, and looking more in depth in as many charts as they could, which were several hundred, they didn't see any it, or a few thousand, they didn't see any increased risk of a negative pregnancy outcome. They didn't see any r- increased risk of miscarriage. They didn't see any increased risk of like a complication in pregnancy, like preterm birth or preeclampsia. And they didn't see any increased risk of NICU admission or any, um, baby adverse events. They're going to continue to follow, um, those things as well, but we yeah. haven't seen any increase in negative pregnancy side effects from the vaccine,
1: which yeah. is great. That, that's totally great. And I think it's worth mentioning that, like, like you said, those unfortunate events still happen, but yep. it's ho- like, you know, how many people, what is even the miscarriage rate in the first trimester, like 20%, something like About that. that yeah. So if you look at how much miscarriage happens normally without putting vaccine or yeah. anything correlated to it, like it's hard to correlate, oh, you have a 20% chance of having a miscarriage after having the vaccine. Like, no, you right. you just you just have You a just 20%. already had that by being a human right. being. Right. And it's actually in that monitoring they are doing,
0: they saw I think it was a 13 or 15% risk of miscarriage, which is actually lower than your regular risk. So, so, maybe, it so yeah. <laughs> right. maybe it helps. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Maybe it helps. So so yeah, so super reassuring stuff. The other thing I see all the time is that, you know, hearing someone's anecdote is really powerful. So yes. having a friend who had a miscarriage or had something affect them and had also had the vaccine, it's really tempting to link those two things in our minds. But we, we have not seen that. Um, and that's true in inside and outside of pregnancy. I mean, these vaccines have been so closely monitored more than anything else ever, Um, that if there were serious adverse events that were happening more frequently than extremely rarely, again, because sometimes I say, we don't need to worry about these. And people are like, don't deny they happen. I'm not, I'm just saying they're extremely rare. Like I'm not saying people never get struck by lightning. I'm just saying it's so rare. Mm -hmm. And in your life, you're not thinking about it all the time and you're not letting it affect your choices. So same thing with these serious adverse events. So I think pregnant people can be really reassured that we are gathering a lot of data. And I have not seen one instance of data that looks suspicious. All of the data has been super reassuring, which makes sense scientifically. I mean, given all we know about vaccines, how vaccines work, how pregnancy works, we see this, like we can draw parallels to other vaccines like flu vaccine and Tdap. And we Mm -hmm. know that those things are incredibly net positive benefit for pregnant Mm -hmm. people and their babies. So yeah. So that's all really great too. Um, Just also a word of caution, you know, you and I love providing good information on social media, but not everyone is like us. And there's a lot of bad information and it's not always reliable. Again, that mixing up a coincidence with a serious adverse event. I see a lot of that online. Like I had a miscarriage a week after my COVID vaccine, it caused it. And, And we don't know that because again, just like you said, Miscarriages happen. Mm -hmm. And when a lot of people are getting vaccinated, it's tempting for us to draw those conclusions. And then also, some people are trying to manipulate us with those stories. You probably know, I think Michelle Rockwell has probably been on your podcast before. um, She has Dr. Mommy MD. She hasn't. Um, Yeah, you should have her. She's a family medicine physician. She has two little boys. Um, She has had miscarriages and she posted about a miscarriage back in the winter. Yes. I follow her. Happened. She just hasn't, ha- she just hasn't been on, but yes, I definitely yeah. follow her. Yeah. she should. She's so wonderful, but she had a miscarriage. And then about two weeks later, she had gotten her vaccine. Like she had a miscarriage yeah. in December and then had her vaccine later. Yeah. And people took her story and said, the vaccine caused her miscarriage. And she was like, that happened weeks later. Like, but it already went viral. Like thousands of people saw this anti-vaccine post about like, oh, doctor has a miscarriage with her vaccine. And it wasn't even the case. So people are trying to manipulate you sometimes too, or they're just making an honest mistake of coincidence. So that's kind of like the safety, the side effects, the adverse events. And then the final thing, the long-term, which is originally the question you asked. I just think it's helpful to kind of go through it in that way. No, I love (laughs) how you did it in three parts. Love it, yeah. So I would say if I hadn't gone to medical school and spent like all of my twenties inside a library, um, and interacting with people, the long, the wondering about long-term effects with a new vaccine, is something that like, I totally would be worried about too. Like, I totally see why people are like, this doesn't make sense. I'm nervous about this, but because I know how vaccines work and how the body works, it's the thing I'm least concerned about. And here's why. Okay. So, um, Vaccines are just short instruction manuals that your body gets rid of and your body does the rest. So when you buy a new, I saw someone with a foot massager recently, one of those things you put Ooh. like your feet in, yeah. when you buy one of those, there's like three buttons on it, right? One turns it on, one turns it off and one adjusts, adjusts like the, you know, the way it's massaging your feet. Mm-hmm. You get the instruction manual, you read it. And once you know what the three buttons do, you probably either throw the instruction manual away. Or if you're like me, it goes in that drunk drawer that you look at once every three years. Where my refrigerator one then. is too. And yeah, yeah, that <laughs> so you look at every once every three years. Yeah. So the point is that the vaccine doesn't stay around in our bodies for a long period of time. It's only in our bodies for hours. And then it's gone because our body processes it. Yeah. Um. And then your body naturally does the rest and protects you from COVID um, and protects you specifically from the aspect of the virus that's trying to get into your cells. So, um, you know, a lot of people see, you know, they're maybe watching TV at night or during the day and they see a commercial about like this medication, if you had experienced the side effect, like join this lawsuit. And, you know, I, I kind of drew a parallel to a patient once and she said that was so helpful. So then I've been using it more cool. is that like, let's say a new cancer drug comes out and they trial it for a year and they see that it reduces the cancer and helps people feel better and live longer. And so they're like, great, it gets approved. People start taking it. You take this medication twice a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the year goes by, it's available. People are living longer and feeling better with their cancer. This is great. This is great. On it for five years, they're still living, their cancer's in remission. This is a miracle drug. Oh, but we found out at year five that a side effect is that it's also kind of thins people's bones. So the mm-hmm. people who have been on it have a, a greater likelihood of breaking their hip, right? Mm-hmm. That it was an un- un- unanticipated side effect that they didn't know about at the time of approval, right? Mm -hmm. Not to say the medicine was bad, but there was an unanticipated side effect we don't know about. People are wondering, will this happen with the vaccine? But what's really important to remember is that that medication people are taking every day. It's in their blood all the time, which is how it's fighting that cancer or whatever, having its intended effect. And that's how it's having an unintended side effect because it's always there. That's the point. That is completely different than a vaccine works. A vaccine is in your body for like less time than the cookie you ate yesterday. You know, it's just a really short um, instruction manual for your body. So like I said, these serious adverse events, things like allergic reactions or other major health problems, those show up within minutes to weeks of getting a vaccine. They don't show up months later. Um, And we've been monitoring this vaccine for over a year now. The trials were last summer. Um, millions and millions of people have gotten it about 130,000 pregnant people have gotten it. Um, we've been monitoring and we haven't seen negative effects we didn't know about. And I have, I do not have suspicion that there's long-term problems we didn't know about. Um, if anything, I think we're going to find out more and more over time about long-term problems related to COVID infection itself. Right. That's what um, I was going to say. Like that's, yeah. that
1: seems like more of a, the things that were go- like what you yeah. just said that we're going to find out not about the vaccine like there's been so many people that have taken it that if something that if something were to happen we we would have known it already
0: yeah so i'm really not concerned about the the long some finding something long term the final thing about the reason i'm not concerned about finding some long term problem is that you know we have great technology now we are really elegant in the our science and technology But vaccines have been around for centuries and vaccine heyday back in like the 19 kind of 40s through 60s, where the polio vaccine, smallpox, mumps, rubella, there was a blossoming of our ability to immunize against these childhood illnesses and getting lots of vaccines at once with really like 50, 60, 70 years ago, our technology was not great. Yes, there were side effects, but there was never a long term. Yeah issue ever found ever for any of Like with any sort of vaccine vaccine at all, because that's not how they work. They're just with us for a very short time and our body does the rest. So for, in terms of like long-term outcome, we're not concerned about that. Um,
1: so yeah, that's kind of how I address a lot of those like safety concerns. I love it. That's so great. And I think that helps a lot of people understand it a lot more. So Do you mind explaining how the vaccine, uh, you kind of already did a little bit, but do you mind explaining how it actually protects you during your pregnancy and how then it transfers to baby? I know there might be a little bit of a difference in, because this is an mRNA vaccine versus Mm -hmm. some of the other vaccines that you normally would get during your pregnancy. But do you have any knowledge about that and willing to share about that?
0: Yeah. So mRNA is um, the, your body makes proteins. And so your body first has DNA and then it makes from DNA, mRNA and Mm -hmm. mRNA then goes to ribosome to make the protein. Mm -hmm. So what your body's doing when you get an mRNA vaccine is there's mRNA that gets injected. It has a little like lipid nanoparticle, which when it's in your body dissolves, so your body can take up the mRNA into the cell there's no way to go from mRNA to DNA. So it's kind okay. of like if you make a cake and you are putting your ingredients in, you break two eggs in, and then you bake the cake. When you take the cake out, you can't take the
1: eggs back out. I'm Same loving way these you're... analogies, by the way. Yeah. Like, great. Well, it's,
0: it's complex stuff, right? Like yeah. Know, really, yeah. Like a long time and a lot of money on medical school. You yeah. don't have to do that. I'll explain it to you. So, um. <laughs> So the you can't go backwards. So it doesn't change your DNA because you can't go backwards from right. mRNA. Like your body literally just doesn't have the equipment to do to go backwards like that. Yeah. Um. So your body makes just the spike protein in a small amount inside the cell, not the virus itself, mm-hmm. just the outside coat of the virus. Mm-hmm. And then how our immune system works is like when the virus invades a cell, your the cell tries to fight it. Some successfully do some don't. And then the way your immune system works is it like presents cells, present things to your immune system. They like hand them out. Like this is a piece of a protein and it's foreign. So like Mm -hmm. create antibodies against it. Mm -hmm. So when you're infected with the virus, it's doing that for like the inner portion for the outer portion, for all different pieces. It's like here, this stuff is foreign. Like we need to fight it. But with the MRNA vaccine, what it does is it just presents the little key on the spike protein, right? So like, okay. this is foreign, we need to fight it. So the comparison I make how your body learns from the vaccine compared to learns from the virus. So learning from the virus is like an alien invasion comes right now. And so mm-hmm. we're all just going to pick up like, whatever we have lying around mm-hmm. to defend ourselves against the aliens the best we can, like whether that's cardboard or steel, right? Yeah. Um. Some like bows and arrows or guns, whatever. Yeah. But the mRNA vaccine is kind of like somebody coming and being like, the aliens are coming tomorrow. This is the space on their ship where if you shoot it right there, it explodes. This is the like dink in their armor that if you get that one spot, they'll explode. Like it's like having the secret before the invasion happens because the protein is the key. So the antibodies are ready to basically inhibit the key for the virus to get into the cells. So, um, There's your body is really elegant. It doesn't take a whole lot to stimulate the immune system to Mm -hmm. do its thing. So this stuff about like um, spike proteins accumulate, it they don't. It's just a really quick presentation, and then your immune system does the rest because your immune system kind of has this like um, domino effect in the way it works. So it takes very little things, and then can really um, create all the defenses for it. Um, And so yeah, it's a really elegant, very cool way that it works, and compared to other vaccines like the flu vaccine, for example. Yeah. Um, I do think it'd be interesting. I think that in the future, there will be mRNA flu vaccines too, probably. But our inactivated flu vaccine, what it would do is you would take not the virus itself, but parts of the capsule of the virus, similar to the spike protein. And instead of the mRNA that your body makes it, instead it would just be parts of the capsule that were injected and your body, the cells take it up and then they present it like, hey, this is foreign and you have an immune response to it. So the basically how it works. is just very similar. It's just one step that would make, um, creation and altering how to, um,
1: keep up with the virus as it changes, um, more
0: applicable, which is
1: great. Yeah, that makes sense. And so how does it protect baby then? Like if it's, if it, I know that mRNA is different too with like, it doesn't cross the placenta. Is that correct?
0: We haven't seen any evidence that mRNA crosses the placenta. I mean, they can't even pick it up in, in the people's bloodstream, like yeah. pregnant people after it's yeah. injected, it's mostly in the muscle goes to the cell immune system does its thing. It doesn't like go around the body. Yeah. But yeah, in our studies of people who are vaccinated or breastfeeding, actually they looked at breast milk around the time of vaccination, they didn't see any mRNA there. So we don't think any of it crosses. Um, but our immune systems work in a bunch of different ways. One of the ways is creating antibodies. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people hear about antibodies, getting antibody tested. There's also a different way our immune systems work called like T cells. That's a more active immunity. But antibodies are one of the great types of immunity. So as a pregnant person, one of the awesome things about the placenta is that it shares all of the certain types of antibodies with a baby. So Mm -hmm. our body has different types of antibodies it makes, but the really, one of the really important ones is IgG. And during pregnancy, IgG is shared freely through the placenta to the fetus. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have taken advantage of this in a lot of ways. Um, We, this is why TDAP vaccination is so important. We, time it for that 28 weeks so that the height of the antibodies is at the time when it's crossing over to the baby. Because Mm -hmm. primarily, it doesn't really matter if a mom gets pertussis. Mm -hmm. Um, They tend to do fine, but babies can get severely ill. So we're we're taking advantage of the mom's immune system to protect the baby. For the COVID vaccine, we need to protect mom's And protecting babies is great and important and wonderful as well. But don't forget that like a healthy mom is a healthy baby. So a mom who has COVID and doesn't have high oxygen levels in her blood, well, her baby's being deprived of oxygen too. So we need to keep moms healthy to keep babies healthy and by moms. And what's great about the immune system is that the mom's immune system shares with the baby. So we don't know the degree of protection that the babies get from having those, um, antibodies, but Mm -hmm. we know from how we vaccinate against other things that there's there's going to be a degree of protection.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So I know you touched a little bit on breast milk, um, but let's go, let's, let's talk about that too, really quick while we're in this subject. So you're saying that they don't know exactly the, the level of protection with moms who are breastfeeding their infants, or have they seen some
0: yeah. So I was just discussing on Instagram yesterday. So uh, understanding degree of protection offered by breastfeeding um, is challenging research to do. And here's yeah. why. So what are you going to study, for example? Well, to understand degree of protection, will you look at, you know, vaccinated parents with a baby who's exclusively breastfed, that Va- un or vaccinated parents with a baby who's not having any breast milk? And are you looking at those differences in if babies get COVID or not, because just cocooning the baby is going to have a beneficial effect too. Yeah. So what you'll want to compare is like vaccinated parents, breastfed baby, vaccinated parents, not breastfed baby. And then also unvaccinated parents, breastfed baby, unvaccinated parents,
1: not, not breastfed. breastfed baby, yeah.
0: right? Because there's so much that goes into it to understand what degrees of protection. And so, you know, I, I, I think that eventually we'll have some data about the degree of protection, but it's difficult because not, nothing is a perfect environment. Um, Some babies are partially breastfed and partially formula fed. Some babies are older, like, you know, so um, we know again, from extrapolating from other things that like exclusively breastfed infants in their first six months of life have about 30% less um respiratory tract infections. And that's like mm-hmm. all colds and um yeah. viruses and things that go around, right? Yeah. Um, so we could extrapolate that it could be around that. And, you know, it could be lower because COVID may be more virulent than you know our other respiratory viruses. Yeah. Or it could be higher because unlike that just like general decrease we see in breastfeeding to like all comer viruses. A vaccinated parent is likely going to have higher antibodies. Yeah. Um. So we don't know exactly what the degree of protection is, but it's likely that there definitely is a degree of protection. Through yeah. breast milk.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. So, Mar- Marta, I wanted to know what are are there any sort of specific time recommendations? I know you mentioned Tdap, getting Tdap at twenty eight weeks, and the reasoning why we do that. Um. Is there any recommended time frame to get the COVID vaccine, whether it's like, as soon as you find out, if you know you're pregnant, you should get it at any time or like you're about to deliver. Oh no, wait until you deliver until you're breastfeeding and yeah. sort of timeframe that we've seen that's most beneficial.
0: Yeah. So not yet. COVID is a pandemic. So we need people protected as soon as possible. So the best yeah. time to get vaccinated is right away. Yeah. Um, there is no yeah. benefit to leaving yourself susceptible. I know we're going to talk about COVID in pregnancy, but it is bad. Please take it from me. Yeah. I see it every day. It is bad. So the best time to be vaccinated is as soon as possible, whether you're planning to conceive, um, pregnant, just delivered as soon as possible. Some specific situation caveats to that are that if you have had COVID, um, the recommendation is to get the vaccine as soon as your quarantine period is over. Okay. Right? So you know, there's guidelines based on if you're symptomatic or not, but for most people that's 10 or 14 days after their diagnosis. So, you know, they used to say, you know, at the very beginning, there was some timing around other vaccinations, right? They were like, well, wait, space it out two weeks from other vaccines like TDAP. But that was just because we were closely monitoring side effects, like those fevers, chills, arm soreness, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't see any problems with that. So now there's no you don't have to coordinate it with anything else. You can get the same, multiple vaccines at the same time, COVID vaccine and your Tdap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the beginning, also when the vaccines were first out, they were like, well, if you've already had COVID, wait a little while because you have some natural immunity. Um, yeah, we're I remember not that. saying that. Yeah, that okay. was more because we didn't have access to the vaccine for everyone, right? There were long lines. So we wanted to prioritize people who didn't have immunity first so they could get theirs. And then the people who might have a little immunity could get theirs next. But now we have plenty of vaccines available. um, So there's no need to wait three months. In addition, natural immunity is not as good as vaccine-generated immunity like the alien invasion thing I talked about before. So definitely get, get the vaccine as soon as you can, even if you've had COVID, because you want the best protection, not just subpar protection. Yeah, and then and then if you have had COVID, because we're seeing so much COVID, um, if you've had monoclonal antibody therapy, which is because pregnancy is a high risk condition, mm-hmm. people with mild COVID, pregnant people should be offered monoclonal antibody therapy if it's available. Um, they do recommend waiting three months from monoclonal antibody therapy into getting the COVID vaccine. So. You may have heard something before, but things change as we get more data. And so um, you know, if you had thought, oh, I don't need the vaccine because I had COVID. Nope. Now
1: 10 to 14 days, go get your vaccine. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, you touched on this a little bit as you were talking about um, like trying to conceive people should still, people who are trying to conceive should still get the vaccine. Um, I know there was that myth going around and I think it's still going around a lot about infertility and mm-hmm. the COVID vaccine and like the spike protein attacking your ovaries or your placenta, like it's affecting, and or it's affecting your menstrual cycle, your ovulation. Yeah. So can you just touch on that a little bit? And like, I guess, wh- where does that even come from? Is any of that yeah. true? Should yeah. we be a, like scared of, <laughs> of like, not, you know, is it going to affect anybody trying to get pregnant? Are there any risks of like they're seeing infertility and COVID vaccine linked? Yeah,
0: no risks of that at all. So that originally was just misinformation. It was just something somebody made up, basically, um, that people with an agenda against vaccination have uh spread. So and it's almost kind of like funny if you actually understand science Mm -hmm. that anyone would think twice about it because the person who said it basically made it up. They were like, there could be proteins in common, but one of the fertility experts said, and I think this is hysterical, it's like mistaking an elephant with a dog because they're both wearing the same collar. Like there's nothing really truly similar enough for our bodies to have that matter. Um, So that's number one is that there's not, not anything in common. And two, then the argument like, oh, a spike protein can attack the ovaries. Well, then that's a really great, reason to not get COVID and to right. take the vaccine right. instead, because the vaccine itself, the spike proteins don't leave the cell. Like they, the mRNA goes in the cell, makes spike proteins, shows it to your the immune system, and then it's gone. So like if anything, that would be a reason to get the vaccine, but yeah. there's no evidence that with COVID or with the vaccine that any anything affects the ovaries at all. So it is recommended. I mean, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, which is the organization of REI doctors, yeah. um, have said from the beginning, like, absolutely, get the COVID vaccine if you wanna conceive. Get it in the middle of your IVF cycle. Get it before. Get it after. Get it as soon as you can, because yeah. COVID poses such a much bigger risk to your reproductive health, your pregnancy, whatever, your fertility, your chances of getting um, fertility treatments, if you're COVID positive, you know, delay cycles, everything. Right. Um. So please get it, and I think it's important to talk about like fertility. Physicians are heavily invested in people, like
1: them trying be, them getting successful. Pregnant.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes. So, like, and and to a degree that a lot of people don't realize, like if you are in an infertility practice all of that is being tracked nationally. You can actually Google your infertility practice and see what their success rate is for getting people pregnant. And these numbers are very well publicized and, and the doctors really care. So believe me, reproductive endocrinology doctors would not do anything that they felt would put their patients and their like publicly (laughs) um, available numbers about pregnancy available. If they didn't think it was the best, instead they looked at it and they were like, the vaccine doesn't affect fertility, but it will protect our pregnant patients. So it is the best thing for them. So they're heavily invested. They want you vaccinated. Um, there's no risk to fertility. There's no theoretical risk. And we're not really seeing it, you know, anecdotally and anecdotes are anecdotes. My inbox is just filled with people like we tried for a year and the month after I got my shot, we got pregnant. So, you know, maybe it helps fertility. I don't know, but there's <laughs> yeah. certainly not a risk. And then just to touch on the menstrual cycles, because you talked about that. So our bodies um, are super complex and our endometrial lining, so not our ovaries, but our endometrial lining, our wombs do have, you know, immune cells in them. Mm -hmm. And so there have been reports of people getting, you know, like spotting between periods or having a heavy period around the time of vaccination, which probably just has to do with the fact that like your uterus is part of your body and it has an immune response as well.
1: Yeah, Um,
0: the best discussion and I'll like send this to you to put in show notes that I saw this nice article on it was by Dr. Jen Venter, who's an OBGYN. Um, And basically, you know, if you have some cycle changes related to the vaccine, they're likely just immune system related and and short limited. It should really pretty much only be that cycle. And it's not a major concern. The benefits of being vaccinated are so worth it for your reproductive health um, Mm -hmm. that that's definitely still, even if you have some cycle changes, not something that should really um, worry you. It's annoying. And I wish we had a little bit more data just to report it so we could tell people what to expect from it. Um, but it's still like not those period changes are not associated with fertility.
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't let
0: that worry you about fertility.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Well, let's wrap up the vaccine discussion about the booster shot, because I know that recently came out that, you know, there's going to be this booster shot that it's recommended to some people. So I had a, a few people, uh, put in the box saying, well, I got the vaccine before pregnancy. Now should I be getting the booster, you know, during my pregnancy or like, how does that, how does that even work?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as with everything, we are probably not going to have definitive data on booster shots for a while. Yeah. Um, And so because we haven't been giving pregnant people booster shots, we don't know exactly that being said, as we've seen lots of data about this vaccine, and we know a lot about vaccines in pregnancy, I don't have any reservations or any concerns about getting a booster shot when pregnant at all. Yeah. I just don't know how much benefit there is or how necessary it is, okay. but we'll find out. I you know, anticipate that it'll be kind of like the booster question is a repeat of the question from December and January, where pregnant people are not included in the clinical trials, but 30,000 pregnant healthcare workers Received the vaccine and then we studied them and then we had some information. So yeah. I assume that the same thing will likely happen. People who are pregnant and immunosuppressed or pregnant and healthcare workers are probably going to elect to get the vaccine um, so that they can be the best protected they can. And then we can follow those people. So again, I okay. don't have data about it, I don't have any concerns or reservations but I don't know the degree of protection. Perhaps we find it only offers a little bit of protection, but still that's better than nothing. So we recommend it. Perhaps we find it offers a ton of protection, particularly if it's been eight months or for people who are vaccinated before pregnancy, maybe pregnancy is a reason to get a booster. So we don't have that information right now, but we'll probably get it as time goes on. Um, So we'll just kind of see. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: All right. Well, let's shift a little bit and kind of wrap up this episode talking about just COVID during pregnancy. So if you happen to get COVID during your pregnancies do you have any recommendations for self care like i know sometimes you can't take certain medications of course when you're pregnant are there certain over the counter over the counter medications that you you know recommend you take this instead of this should you even be taking anything prophylactic you know prophylactically except get the vaccine prophylactically yeah. <laughs> um so yeah what what if you do end up getting covid during your pregnancy. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's interesting
0: because I think that a few months ago, people were, were thinking about a choice to get the vaccine or not. And if not, yeah. they were susceptible to COVID, but they could hopefully, you know, do hand hygiene and wear their masks and not really hang out with people and yeah. hope that other people were vaccinated to protect them. But what I'm seeing is like with how virulent the delta variant is, yeah. especially people who have kids that may be in childcare or in school, like the the choices becoming get the vaccine or get COVID. So it's really important that the vaccine, you get the vaccine to protect you from COVID. If you do get COVID while you're pregnant, um, the, first of all, there's nothing else preventative you can take or do to try to prevent it. It's just kind of like taking, you know, hygiene. Yeah. Yep. Hygiene or the vaccine. Um, yeah, sure. Um, but I would say if you get it symptomatic care, Tylenol, totally fine. Um, go by the dosages on the box or that your doctor tells you to reduce fever or like body aches and pain. Yeah. You can take, um, most types of decongestion are safe. Usually your doctor just has a list of like which ones to avoid and which ones are safe, but yeah. there, there are safe decongestions. My favorite is just guaifenesin, which is snacks yeah. It tends to just be like the easiest one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then like, you know, um, let's see what other symptoms, there's not really a way to help with the taste and the smell. Um, yeah issue. Um, I would say it's important for pregnant people to really stay hydrated and to try to get calories in to support them in their pregnancy, which can be hard with COVID because of the taste and smell issues on top of the like pregnancy queasiness and nausea can really be hard for people. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot of pregnant patients that come in with COVID with a lot of nausea vomiting. Yes, yeah. they have respiratory stuff, but a lot of them have these other symptoms too. Yeah. That makes um, sense. yeah. So, um, and, stay in contact with your doctor. Feeling short of breath is scary in pregnancy. And there is a low threshold to evaluate you because I have seen pregnant people go from being like, I'm mildly symptomatic to getting very ill, very quickly. So stay in contact with your doctor, monitor your symptoms closely. Um, if you are a pregnant person and you have not been vaccinated, you should get with your loved ones, get a piece of paper and start writing down what your requests would be. If you are seriously ill on a breathing tube in a medically induced coma, what your wishes would be for the baby, what your wishes yeah. would be, who's going to make decisions for you? Um, would you want to be an organ donor in the event that you pass? Because this is happening. This yeah, is it's, happening. It's so, so, so if you... That.
1: I know it is Yeah.
0: If you have not gotten the vaccine, please meet with family members. Make it clear who is making decisions for you and who will make the decisions for the baby and what your wishes are because um we're seeing people not having time to make those decisions because they get sick so fast. Yeah. Um
1: and a lot are totally taken by surprise by that. Um yeah, and they have no co comorbidities or anything. I know.
0: Yeah. Some do, but a lot of them don't. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's very scary very very scary. Yeah,
0: it is. So those are preventative things about care unfortunately.
1: I know. Well, let's talk about um if you do end up in the hospital not because of COVID, but let's say you come into the hospital to deliver and you test positive and you're COVID mm-hmm. positive. Um what is that going to look like?
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of people are concerned about the separation between yeah. a mother and baby obviously that it right. would be That's, you know, my biggest concern as a doctor and as a mother as well. So um, there was only this small period of time at the very beginning of the pandemic in like one hospital in New York City where separation was happening or people were giving birth alone without a visitor. That luckily has not been a policy like anywhere else in the country. And I don't think that there would be a reason to ever go back there. So most labor and deliveries are allowing one to two visitors, depending on where you are and what the situation is. Um, and then everywhere I've heard of, as long as mom is awake and able to care for herself and the baby, and the baby is doing fine, is still coupleting in rooms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at my hospital, and again, everywhere I've talked to with my colleagues, if you go into labor and delivery to have your baby, you test positive, your doc, you might be in a special room that has better ventilation. Your doctors and nurses will all use the appropriate PPE, but are we strive to keep mother and baby together. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, some like special nursery or NICUs are often set up like, you know, with beds next to each other. The baby's not able to be fully isolated. So mm. if your baby needs extra care for whatever reason, occasionally you can't maybe visit the baby if you have COVID to protect all of the other babies. OK, so that makes sense. unfortunately, what we see is that some babies who need extra medical care um, for whatever reason, if they're sick themselves, they were premature. You had a preterm, right, right. Yeah. We sometimes see that moms and babies are separated then. Mm -hmm. And that may not be the case everywhere. Some NICUs or nurseries might have a a, a special area that Mm -hmm. they can isolate together, even with more care. I can't speak to everywhere in the country, but I think those are really the only Um, experiences of separation. So I would say, you know, 90% of my moms who come in COVID positive, who are either asymptomatic or only mildly symptomatic are never separated from their baby. Um, and what we recommend is wearing a mask while you're um, skin to skin with baby and while baby's really close to you and washing your hands a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well let's wrap up this discussion with talking about once baby's born and talking about visitor restrictions because I know that's still you have you have to still be aware of that if you have if you have a baby right now yeah. and who you're going to let in your house and like what that's going to look like and like should I let unvaccinated people in my house? Should I have vaccinated people and they, when they wear masks or what Are there any sort of like set in stone recommendations in terms of that? Yeah, there's
0: not um, because all families are different and they have different needs. I would say personally, I would never let anyone unvaccinated around my baby. Yeah. Um, And just taking a step back from COVID, I mean, I felt the same way during flu season, right? Like I would never let someone who hadn't received their flu vaccine around the baby I, you know, my sister had a baby before I did. So she asked everyone in the family to make sure they were up to date on their Tdap before they ever saw the baby. So these are really making sure that people around you have been vaccinated before seeing a baby is a totally normal thing. I remember one time, even like I stay up to date on my vaccinations, but I had like a small cold and a friend had a baby. I wore a mask to visit. I dropped off some food and I visited with them with a mask on. This is all before COVID. So none of this stuff is like new. Um, but COVID is definitely, you know, a more serious virus. Um, that is an epidemic. It's highly contagious, especially the Delta variant. So yeah, I would say we continue those protections, and they apply to COVID too. I would highly recommend that anyone around the baby, including the parents, and also anyone who's going to come spend any time around the baby, be vaccinated. Um, the flu, when it's available, we're, You know and the new flu vaccine will be out in September, October. They should be up to date on Tdap as well um, for cocooning and then COVID vaccination as well.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. All right, Marta. Well, this was a fabulous podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and spending an hour with me and talking through all of this stuff. Cause I think, like I said, in the beginning, I think a lot of people are just have questions and just want to do the best thing that they can for them and and their babies. So I appreciate you coming on and shedding some light on COVID vaccine and COVID during pregnancy. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me.
0: It's again, so wonderful to present information in this way too. So people can
1: yeah. Can yeah.
0: hear it. They can see it. They can come to my page. I like, I've shared a lot of information. I took kind of a break as we all do for like, you know, of course, social media break and yeah. mental health, but I'm <laughs> getting back on like organizing my highlights and getting stuff out there. So.
1: Yeah. I love it. And where can they find, can you say your name, your handle yeah. just so they can go and find you? Yeah. I'm at
0: dot. Marta Perez. So at Dr. Marta Perez, M-A-R-T-A-P-E-R-E-Z. Um, and that's my Instagram where I mainly am. I have a website that I never, never, never update. And I have a YouTube that has kind of fallen off, um, with the busyness of parenting and ending videos, but hopefully I'll get
1: back on there too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.